The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. It's time for TV and streaming with Joe Shane, Elaine Burke. Elaine, did you watch the BAFTAs last night, given the Irish interest? I watched it blearily because I was very jet lagged. I'm <laughs> just back from my holidays, but I did catch bits of it. I was delighted to see Austin Butler win for Elvis since I was just back from Graceland myself. Okay, well, that's a reason because I don't think any Irish person is supposed to say they'd prefer to see someone beat I know, Colin Farrell. I know, but I was just really happy to see him get it. And uh, Barry Keown, I was delighted to win because he, I think, steals every scene in Banshees of Irrigation that he's in. So it was so fantastic to see him and Kerry Condon get it. Although Kerry Condon uh, had a bit of a delay in receiving her award because yeah, of the Yeah, what was all that about, Joe? Yeah, um, it was it was kind of complicated, but basically to announce it, they had a, a deaf actor called Tony Coster, who actually won a BAFTA last year. And what he was to do was he was to announce the winner, and then he had a, a sign language interpreter standing next to him who would kind of relay this to the audience, so to speak, or people who, who don't have sign language. But he mixed up the the interpreter mixed up Kerry Condon and Kerry Mulligan, which actually I suppose is, is kind of understandable. But the, he read out the the, uh, the the wrong name basically. And then there was a kind of a pause and then they had to kind of figure it out and then they announced the right person. But of course, because the BAFTAs are filmed earlier uh, and there is a long time delay, up to two hours, which gives us this weird situation where you know who's won some of the main or most of the main, uh, um, you know, gongs, um, it did no, you wouldn't have to actually see it during the TV broadcast. So it was a bit of a mistake, but it was cleaned up fairly fairly easy and was all handled, handled with good grace. OK, so edited it out. But does it yeah. work? as a TV show Joe um, it's yeah, it, it's a bit of a mishmash and I was watching it and I was dipping in and out of it I think the best way to watch the BAFTAs is on, with, like, with a lot of award shows is on social media because people will take and curate the best moments the moments like you know reading out the wrong name Patrick Stewart also almost read out the, the winner before he read out the nominations and those kind of clips are put up on social media and I kind of enjoy watching those it's, it's a bit of a mishmash it doesn't really know what it wants to be I don't think what about for you, Elena? Because apparently a lot of it's recorded earlier and then presented as if live. Uh, so the the big awards were presented live. So Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Film and Rising Star were all live. Uh, but that meant that the rest of the show was at that two hour delay. And it did create a weird vibe with the Baptist. I, I don't really know why they do it that way. Apparently they just decide to host it early and then they have to then air it on more primetime hours and just host it live. I don't know I why. I it allows people to go off and have a few more drinks. Yeah, um, and probably... Or d- maybe avo- not turning up with too many drinks on board. Or, yeah, avoids the Golden Globes uh, situation where the crowd gets a bit rowdy when they've got the few drinks in them. So it's somewhere, it sits somewhere, I suppose, between the Oscars and the Golden Globes. But I think all these award shows are trying to find new ways to present themselves to new audiences. And I don't think any of them are quite nailing it just yet, but they're trying different things. Okay, let's move on. We're a night ahead of Cal Thomas and Marion McKeown, Job, and I suspect we might throw this one at them too, but Fox News seems to be in deep trouble, doesn't it, because of the way that it has deliberately and fraudulently presented uh, Trump's election fraud claims. Yeah, this is extraordinary. There's a, there's a company called Dominion Voting Systems, which looks after uh, electronic voting systems, basically, in the US and elsewhere. And uh, they were kind of demonised by Fox and other news, uh, right-wing news outlets in the, U- in the US and by Trump and by all of that crowd after the 2020 election as part of this big, huge lie that the election was stolen. Now, unfortunately for Fox, Dominion Voting Systems is a multi-million, if not billion-dollar operation, and they weren't going to sit still for this. So they talk, took this 
defamation action against Fox News. And part of the discovery process is this incredible cache of text messages that were uh, exchanged between all of the main personalities on Fox. And to boil it all down, what they were all telling each other at the time when they were trumpeting all of these, you know, the big lie, uh, the election was stolen and all this, they were privately texting each other going, this is crazy. We know, we know it wasn't stolen. It's all BS, but we have to do it. And the reason why they have to do it was spelled out because they were worried about being outflanked on the right by uh, newer kind of organisations but even less connection to reality like Newsmax and and, uh, ONN, One American News or OAN. So it's an extraordinary kind of glimpse behind the curtains. Even Rupert Murdoch was getting involved in all of this and he was saying, he was trying to calm it down at one point but he was also saying we have to do everything for the Republican Party so they win. Do you remember though that special election that came up after, I think it was in Georgia, that they needed to win to get the balance of, of, of the House, I think, right? So it, it's it, it's an extraordinary story and it's one that's going to run and run. And it's really, I mean, it, are Fox News uh, capable of being embarrassed? We don't know, but this is very, very embarrassing. I don't know if embarrassment's the issue for them. It could be the money that it could cost yeah. them in damages. Okay, yeah. Elaine, you're a tech expert. So can you explain to me the new Seinfeld? <laughs> so Nothing Forever is an AI-generated Seinfeld parody, essentially. Seinfeld was famously a show about nothing is the way they kind of described it. So this is streaming on Twitch, which is a service that's typically used for gamers to stream like live gameplays, uh, but other media streams there as well, such as this. And basically an AI decides the script, what the characters say, uh, the shot positions where the characters are placed in a scene. So an AI is basically writer, director, producer of this cartoonish version of Seinfeld. Now, they can't call it Seinfeld, obviously. So it's Larry Feinberg is the comedian, his friend Yvonne Torres, Fred Kostopoulos, it's your Elaine's and your George's. Uh, Kramer is Zoltan Kackler in this uh, universe. It's got Minecraft S graphic. It does look very rudimentary, but people are fascinated by it because it's so clunky and weird. You get these really terrible AI written jokes that have a laugh track following the setup, not the punchline. Like everything is just weird. There's these kind of Sims-esque moments where some of the characters are actually talking to a wall and not the person that they should be in conversation with. And there's lots of videos online that people get fascinated with of Sims kind of errors and stuff like that. And I think there's an element of that fascination with it. But I think what's really interesting about it is it's kind of seeing if there's a future for this kind of AI-generated content and how it can work, because this is an early day version of it. Um, And what often happens with content that's generated from AI models that are learning from the internet, and this has happened with so many AI models, is that it turns quite hateful. So it's currently suspended from Twitch because the comedian made transphobic jokes because that's what comedians online are quite known for at the moment. And uh, Not that Seinfeld would have done no, that. No, absolutely not. Uh, not. Not taking from Seinfeld, but just taking from its model that has learned from people on the internet and, and what... What these models tend to learn from the internet is lots of bias, lots of misogyny, lots of uh, racism and hateful commentary. Uh, And this has happened with plenty of AI. This isn't unique to nothing forever at all. Um, But they are now putting guardrails in place when they relaunch on Monday. Their ban ends then and they're hoping that um, that that won't happen again. But that's an interesting experiment in and of itself as well to see how these generative AI purveyors are going to try and make these systems uh, basically safe uh, for human consumption. Okay, let's move on. And last week we spoke about the reboot of Faulty Towers, which gave us the idea which previous extensions to shows or reboots coming back many years later failed dreadfully. Have you any choices for us, Joe? 
Well, there's been there's been quite a few. I mean, the Sex in the City one, of course, and just like that, was an absolute bomb altogether. Nobody seemed to want it. Nobody seemed to, to like it at all. Arrested Development is kind of also held up by kind of you know this classic, brilliant kind of genre busting show that came out first in the 2003 to 2006, and was weirdly kind of after three seasons was just killed by Fox and just abruptly taken off the air. It was brought back by Netflix in 2013. And it, it, it was it was a, it was a great example of why some shows or most shows, especially great shows, should never come back because it really felt like they were just doing it for the money, and Netflix were just buying this cult property that they knew would have a built-in audience, and it was a bit of a prestige thing. There was a famous cast interview that was done. I think it was by the the New York. Yeah, it was the New York Times, and. It had some, all of the cast ended up like really, really having a go at each other and showing the dysfunction and how unhappy they were. And it just disappeared off our screens again. So yeah, it's most of the time, there's very, very few reboots have ever worked. And and it's a rare thing in TV. Which ones didn't work for you, Elaine? Oh, I'd absolutely vouch for it. And just like that, I think the only people watching that are hate watching it at this point. Um, Will and Grace, no one asked for that to come back, I don't think. And it just kind of made uh, the old episodes uh, more palatable to people, I think, to revisit. I'd forgotten Gilmore Girls had a comeback. I'd forgotten Heroes had a comeback. Sorry, like, Gilmore Girls only got one year of a comeback. Exactly. It? And that, there's a reason for that. Like, no one was asking for these things. I think they're just trying to trade on nostalgia and create new content around old content. But the old stuff is still good. And I did put it out there trying to find good examples because I could not think of any. And I think good examples of reboots and remakes are in the Star Trek series. I think fans still still love yeah. the new versions of Star Trek as much as they love the old versions. I think that's the one good example. Sci-fi always, sci-fi is a great area for reboots because I think Doctor Who, when it came back on the BBC, after it was like more than, it was ended in 89, came back in 2005 with Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper. I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant reboot that completely changed it and made it a fantastic uh, series. Picks of the week. What are you going for, Elaine? Uh, Fleischman is in trouble which is coming to Disney Plus on Wednesday this has already aired in the States got great reviews it's uh, surprisingly Jesse Eisenberg playing a neurotic man Uh, it's what he does best uh, alongside Claire Danes as his ex-wife so it looks at first like this kind of standard divorce kind of melodrama a middle-aged couple going through a bad time but there's an element of mystery thrown in that's attracted me to it because I wouldn't normally watch those kind of shows but this one has a bit of a Gone Girl vibe to it she basically drops his kids off early one day and disappears and then there's the piecing together of that uh, happening throughout the show. Okay, that's Fleischman is in Trouble, which is on Disney Plus from Wednesday. What are you going for, Joe? Um, a couple of years ago, I recommended a show um, called 24 Hours in Police Custody when it came on first. And, and it, that that was a very unusual show. There was the cameras inside kind of interviews. Um, there's a sh- uh, with criminals. There's a show on, on BBC Two tonight at 9pm called um, Parole. And this is an Access All Areas documentary that is looking at the work of a parole board. Uh, hearings in the UK, right? But it's a convicted killer. And he's on screen talking about why he should be released from prison. They have the the the, the wife of the guy the guy he killed talking about why she thinks he should not come out of prison. You have the parole board doing the deliberations, the lawyers making the arguments. I think this is going to be an incredible look at a, at a, a very interesting, troubling kind of like difficult question. When are people can people reform? Can they reform themselves? Should they be allowed back out and in, in into the community? And I, I think it's going to be a great show. It's on um, BBC Two tonight at nine. PM and it's called parole. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. Joe Shea, Elaine Burke, thank you very much for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4:30. Today,